you're welcome along. It's the gardening program here on Midwest Radio on the Saturday morning. Porik, good morning good to morning, you. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. Yeah, you're very welcome in. It's been a great week, hasn't it? It's been a great week. You're in laden down with bulbs this uh, morning. Well, it's bulb planting season, so I thought we might feature them because I've a little story to tell you about some bulbs in a minute. But I popped in to see my dad yesterday and um, of course he was out in the garden. I had to search the house looking for him, but he was out in the garden anyway, out in, the, uh, out in his glass house. Um, following our tips, I must say, in, oh in, really? Uh, <laughs> Yours now. <laughs> so he, he, um, he, you know, and the master and the and the child come into my mind, like who was following oh, who? But that's uh, he was propagating his geranium plants, which was lovely to see. So he had gone around the garden and taken all the cuttings from his geraniums, and of course asked me had he done the right steps, and of course he had, so they were absolutely perfect. And harvesting his his tomatoes and uh, just spending some great time out in the garden and really enjoying himself. But he asked me to mention he is a member of the men's shed in Castle Bar. And they're having an open day today. Um, their their um, headquarters is actually in a building that's 150 years old, and it's situated up at the GMIT Centre in Castlebar, there on the on the old Westport Road. And they've got a lovely building there that they've refurbished. And today the men's shed are going to have an open day from 11 a.m. right through to 4 p.m. And they're inviting people um, that might have an interest in joining a men's shed. Um, you know, it sounds attractive, doesn't it? Men's Absolutely. Shed, you know. Well, they're 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 huge uh, phenomenon men's sheds, and I know Absolutely. they operate all over the country. And they're I suppose really it's kind of like a club, but such Absolutely. isn't it? That's what yeah. it is, you know. For for and they do from some fantastic projects. Um, like Dad was telling me, they're actually going planting up a Belfast sink today as part of the open day. So they're inviting people to come along. Um, you know, families, not just men, but families to come along and see the good work they do. Um, so it's up there in the GMIT centre in the courtyard. It's at the back of the GMIT from 11am right through to 4pm. The Men's Shed are inviting people to come along and just see the work they do and, and maybe some men will have an interest in joining them. Yeah. And even at 85 years of age, my dad is one of the active uh, members there. Well, I think it's all about... 87, actually. 87. Okay. Yeah, oh, it's all, out, it's yeah, all out yeah, now, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Horkin. Um, it's, but it's all about sharing skills, I think. Um, and it obviously seems. it's uh, friendship and, you know, uh, socialisation and all that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, but there, there's... The, yeah, but I do know that uh, lots of men's shens are very productive and they produce all kinds of things. So great opportunity great today resource, for uh, yeah. people in the Castle Bar area to go along and check things out. Yeah, so the second thing to tell you is that... Um, busy, I, busy. Busy, busy, and, and it's kind of linked to our bulbs. So our um, the Castle Bar Community Cleanup Group, um, so they meet every Saturday. Um, it's a group of volunteers in Castle Bar who come together um, uh, but, but young people and, and um, adults come together to do some projects again around Castle Bar. They only spend an hour, an hour and a half maybe every Saturday morning and they do some little project within the community. So um, the Castle Bar Community Cleanup Group asked me, they met me last Saturday and um, they have a great vision for Loch Lana. They've created a lovely mystical fairy walk for the children. So it's a small little trail that goes between some hazel trees and some birch trees along by Loch Lana and, and people of Castlebar will know Loch Lana has been a, a fantastic mm-hmm. facility and resource there but there's a little fairy walk and we've decided to plant 2,100 bulbs next Saturday 
and we're asking and we've contacted some of the schools um, around. So it's a little metal to get the children involved this time. We're coming up to Halloween and we thought next Saturday would be a, an appropriate time mm. to invite the children from Castlebar with their parents to come along next Saturday. So when I finish on radio, I'm shooting back to Castlebar and from 11 o'clock till 12.30, we're going to plant 2,100 bulbs. And I've selected bulbs that are going to be obviously uh, pollinator friendly to attract the bees and the butterflies and the hoverflies and all the pollinators next spring. And I think bulbs are a great thing to do with children because they're tactile. The children can touch them, feel them. You know, you're looking at something that's small, but with by within a couple of months, it's guaranteed to flower. And I've picked plants, native Irish bluebells are Lovely. one of the things. So bluebells are fantastic uh, for both pollen and nectar uh, every spring, and particularly the Irish Irish uh, source varieties. Uh, but also we're going to plant some crocuses because crocuses flower in February, a time when bees are, are beginning to become active. And again, they're a great source of, of pollen. And I've also picked um, some dwarf daffodils, a little one called Tete Tete, which is a little miniature daffodil. So next Saturday, uh, the meeting place is at the front of the Leisure Centre which is the swimming stroke gym mm-hmm. complex there in Castle Bar. So right at the front entrance there, we're going to meet next Saturday, uh, 11, 11 a.m. to 12, 11 a.m. we're going to meet. I'm going to have 2,100 bulbs ready for planting. Wow. We're asking the children to bring a little planting trowel or a small little spade with them. Um, the Castle Bar Community Cleanup Group have organised some topsoil, so it's going to be easy planting. You want a to bit be of digging fun, too hard or no, anything like that? Nothing, yeah, nothing too hard to do. And we're going to get all of those plant, planted within record time, within an hour, an hour and a half. So it's just a call out to say to people, and particularly young children, particularly kind of primary school children, that sort of age group, uh, to come along next Saturday, meet me at the front of the Leisure Centre, um, at Loch Lana and I'll bring them down to the Ferry Walk and the Castlebar Community Cleanup team will be there. Councillor Blackie Gavin, uh, people like uh, Michael Brophy, who's our local postman in Castlebar and, and uh, lots of, of other fantastic individuals. Um, so I'm going to get involved in that. I'll give the guys, the kids, a little chat about biodiversity, what they can do in their own gardens and we'll give them some bulbs to bring home to their own homes that they can put into pots, containers, window boxes to plant up as well. So that's a little metal. Um, again, it's it's uh, us giving back, I suppose, and really we want kind of a children-focused um, Morning metal. and, and yes, yeah. And so the parents can come along, parents can get involved, but we're really looking for the primary school kids. Brilliant. So it's next Saturday. I'll remind everyone next Saturday, uh, hopefully the day will be dry, yeah. and we'll only hold them an hour. We'll have, believe it or not, we'll the have 2,100 bulbs planted well, within pr- the hour. You're practised from the, from the events from in Kilchamaw the there. Yeah. 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 Well, if yeah. we can do 400 shrubs, we can easily do yeah. uh, 2,000 bulbs. bulbs. So there, there are two things that I'm looking forward to. And yes, I brought in some bulbs because yeah. this is the time of year for planting bulbs and they're so easy to plant and the weather conditions are absolutely perfect at the moment. So simple things like irises, this is a lovely iris in mixed colours. It's, it's kind of the similar colours you get with crocuses and iris again, irises are, are terrific for bees and butterflies in particular. Spring flowering, come in a whole range of different colours and these are dwarf varieties so they're only going to grow about six inches high. We're coming to the time of year, Deirdre, as well for planting tulips. Excellent. And tulips are... 
brilliant in pots and containers like if you did nothing else but plant up um, a, an arrangement yeah. of tulips um, simply put them into a pot you can put a couple of layers we often call it the lasagna Brilliant. way of planting. Yes. So you can put two or three different layers, one above the other, um, finish off the compost on top, and then maybe plant, plant some winter flowering violas or pansies or primulas or cyclamen. You'll get those in your local garden centre at the moment. The bulbs will start to grow through the winter and obviously become above the soil once we get into March and, and flower through April and early May. So add a little bit of colour as well to the top of the pot with a few um, pansies or violas or cyclamen or something like that. Just to keep like things taken over until until your bulbs come into full growth. E- exactly. Yeah. And if you want a lovely bulb for cutting, this is a one called Dream Touch. Isn't that oh, magnificent? That's a stunner. It's, it's a stunner. A... It's a real deep uh, sort of crimson kind of uh, purpley colour and then it's just got little white edges, edges on each leaf. Very frilly, it's very gorgeous. pretty. Yeah. yeah, and a really nice. So it's one called Dream Torch and again, that's a lovely one for cutting as a cut flower. So look, at this is the time of year we could spend the whole day talk, chatting about, about bulbs. Talking about even tulip bulbs alone. Just a little reminder mm. as well, if people want something scented for indoors for Christmas time, this is the time of year, um, mid-October, for planting up the scented hyacinths. So varieties like Jan Boss is a lovely variety, a lovely pink uh, flowers. Uh, but there's loads of them available in your local garden centre. And also the um, amaryllis bulbs. Those, oh, I think they're great. They're yeah. terrific as well and so easy to grow. Um, and they can be simply potted up. Now, the the hyacinths are left out of doors for six weeks, taken in then just before Christmas and they'll come into flower around the Christmas period. With the amaryllis, simply pot them up now, keep them on a bright wind still indoors and again, they'll come into flower for through the Christmas period. And you've also got bulbs like paper whites as well, which are lovely around the Christmas period. But all those can be planted at this time of year. Brilliant. Okay, so... Uh, lots to be doing on that front. Have we more or will we? Well, there's we? lots to be done. I mean, with good weather. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Where does I, it end? I suppose my advice really to people is use the good weather at the moment. I mean, the type of jobs I was doing myself um, over the last couple of days is just kind of tidying up the garden, doing a little bit of weed control because weeds have been growing. I've given my lawn a trim yesterday. I, I hope so did I actually because I thought I was, I was looking at the forecast <laughs> and I said if it doesn't get done today, it might not get done for quite a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. and that's it. And so keep on top of the lawns because they've been actively growing. Look, they could still continue to grow for another couple of weeks yet, but hopefully this will be the last trim of them. And look, there is definitely moss knocking about. So put on the zero really and control moss at this time of year and give your lawn an autumn feed as well. Give it a nice bit of uh, greening before the winter. So make use of the good weather just to tidy up uh, the garden and, and do some final pruning, do some final planting. Well, I won't say final because we can still do all yeah. of that through November if we get the weather. Okay, great. We're going to take a quick break. Um, we have lots of interesting questions in already this morning. So if people have anything uh, that they'd like Porik to take a look at for them on the programme, it's a good questions in, real autumny ones here, Porik. Um, in terms of, I suppose, the crops we're talking about anyway. So apple trees is where we're yes. going to start today. We've a couple of questions already in on apple trees. So first of all, um, Somebody is one. Mary is wondering if it's a good time of year to sow apple trees, uh, and cut down old apple trees. Mary's got hers for years, and they've never grown any apples. Mm, okay. Well, so 
first of all, it's a wonderful time for planting all fruiting plants and particularly apples. Remember, if you plant a tree at this time of year, the roots continue to grow right through the winter period, leaving the plant in a really strong position then for next spring. So autumn planting, particularly with the weather we're getting at the moment, is a, a wonderful time to plant. My advice is to pick apple trees on dwarfing rootstocks. So years ago, many apples were um, grafted onto more vigorous rootstocks and you ended up with quite large trees, atypical of of an orchard, you know, Mm. standard orchard. But the trouble with that is the trees are hard to prune, the apples are difficult to get to and they can tend to be become unproductive. So trees that are grafted onto smaller rootstocks basically keep the apple tree on a diet. It, It slows down the growth and any plant that's growing slowly is induced into flowering and fruiting better. So first of all, if you're planting new apple trees, ask at your local garden centre for apple trees that are on both sweet and um, sour apples, um, cooking apples, have them on dwarfing rootstocks. That's the first thing. Second thing is to get trees that are compatible. So you need to have trees that flower at the same time. So when we come in, so you have lots of different varieties of apples, so you need to get varieties that are complementary. If they ain't flowering at the same time, you ain't going to have apples. apples. It's as simple as that. And apples can flower from mid-March right through until late May, depending on the variety. So it's important that if your apple trees like James Grieve are in flower, say in April, that you pick a variety that is compatible, that's flowering at the same time. And there are varieties like James Grieve is a particularly good one that it... um, it tends to pollinate quite a wide variety of different apples. Or, or you'll often hear me recommending planting a, an ornamental malus mm. tree like malus John Downey or Golden Hornet in amongst your fruiting apples because, again, it's another source of pollen that will cross-pollinate um, with apples. So a good example, Brambley seedling, which is our favourite cooking apple, is a very poor pollinator of other trees. So it's what we call a triploid. It actually needs two different other varieties to cross-pollinate with it. And it doesn't pollinate other apple trees. So where you have Bramley seedlings, you want to have a pretty good mix of other apples, different varieties, to ensure that it gets pollinated and the original apple trees get pollinated. I know that's all, it's all very confusing. No, but it's, it's not, not actually. It's no, quite simple. Yeah, but, but it's something that people mightn't actually think about, think about at all at the exactly. get-go. Yeah. So if you only brought, bought an, a Bramley seedling apple and you bought, say, a James Grieve apple, the, the just two varieties, you wouldn't get necessarily get a good uh, crop. Better to have three in that instance. So the key tip is to get varieties that are on dwarfing rootstocks and to get a mixture of different varieties that flower at the same time. And you can mix eaters and cookers together. A really good cooking apple called Grenadier, which is an early cooking apple and again a good pollinator of other trees as well. So a variety of different uh, trees uh, to plant them, a super time to plant them and with dwarfing rootstocks you have less work with them as well. Less less pruning back, you can pick your apples, Mm. the trees don't grow much bigger than six or seven feet and they're a lot more manageable and you can fit more trees into a smaller area. in terms of pruning, November is the time. So wait for the apple trees to drop all their leaves and then you can do some pruning with them. Remember that winter pruning, any pruning we do during the winter period stimulates new growth. So when you prune a plant black, a rose bush or a, an apple tree or any a hedge during the winter months, 
once it kicks into growth in the spring, you get lots of new growth and mm. that needs to be managed. That needs to be uh, trimmed and so on. I might talk about that next spring. So November is a good time to prune back old apple trees and October is a super time to plant trees. Okay. So pop into your local garden centre. They'll have lots of really good. This is the time when fruiting plants become available, not just apples, but pears and plums and uh, blackcurrants and gooseberries and a wonderful time the, to plant them, rhubarb and so on. Yeah. Well, we do, I suppose. Get them into the ground. Tend to associate autumn time with all of those kind of fruits. Yeah. Um, so for Mary here specifically then, yeah. um, where she has apple trees that have never grown, she could take them all out if she was so inclined or she might add in some new ones. Yeah, plant some maybe new, new, new trees in and prune those older trees back because you will rejuvenate them. They will produce a lot of new growth if you do some hard pruning with them this November and I can tell you how to manage them then next spring, how to actually control that growth and keep them a little bit smaller. Okay, brilliant. Now we're also going to take a look, photograph in from Cathy or from yep. Mary and Caltra brother um, and uh, Mary's got a miniature apple tree and it appears to have a sucker growth from below the soil surface level and Mary's wondering what should she do with it? You know, I see, uh, which I look at it there, it's yep. Cox's Orange Pippin which is a lovely variety, lovely oh, apple, see, lovely okay. small Label apple. Is on it. Yeah, so it's a miniature apple tree, but it's producing a sucker. And a sucker is a shoot that comes underneath the soil. So you can see it coming through the soil here um, and coming up along the main stem. Mary, that needs to be removed. And you simply scrape back the soil, get your secateurs and cut it as close to the main stem as possible. So remove that because apples are grafted at, at ground level and that's the rootstock kicking in. So prune that out now and the tree will be perfectly fine. Brilliant, brilliant. It's very healthy actually. It's in good, very good very condition. Very good condition. Yeah. 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 So Catherine is wondering, yes. Porik, if leaves are any advantage to leave around shrubs during the winter? Well, they're no harm whatsoever. Leaves, natural, you know, if you've got plants like hydrangeas that are dropping their leaves over the next couple of weeks or any any leaves that are dropping it's no harm whatsoever they'll act as a mulch they'll decompose and they'll work back down into the soil and they'll help to suppress some weed growth as well and um, alternatively you can rake them up and put them into a compost heap like we we're chatting about last mm-hmm. week and mix newspaper and make your your organic compost and then put that mixture back out in the spring around the base of the shrubs but there's no harm whatsoever if you've got roses or any any um say fruiting trees where there might be a, a disease carryover then certainly those leaves should be raked up and, and disposed of but general garden shrubs potentillas or hypericums or hydrangeas that drop their leaves you can certainly leave the leaf litter there the worms will will work on them and pull them down into the soil over the winter period Brilliant uh, is it the, When is the best time to cut back a lilac bush please? What do you think? When think, it's finished of, flowering. Exactly. So the, the day it finishes flowering, not, not so don't prune it at this time of year. So spring flowering shrubs, those that flower any time from January to June, we prune them immediately after flowering. So think about a flowering cherry. It comes into flower in April, early May. As soon as the flowers go off, that's the time to prune it. If you prune it now, your lilac tree you'll or your no cherry flowers. tree, you'll have no flowers next spring. So leave well enough alone, allow it to flower next spring. And then as soon as the flowers begin to fade, that's the time to cut it back, give it a feed and on all that new growth that produces it will flower the following spring. Brilliant. Here's a really interesting one. Can you advise on planting a nut orchard? <laughs> Not one that we've been asked before, is it? <laughs> no. Uh, so well, because the hazelnuts, we were we were talking about this a little bit before we came on air. Hazelnuts are n- native to Ireland. They are. That, yeah. Native, native to Ireland. And, and there, I, I have great memories of, of our dad bringing us, bringing us out, the whole family out, picking hazelnuts in October, um, you know, every, every autumn. So, yeah, hazelnuts grow wild in Ireland. Um, 
so the, the but they tend to produce a relatively small nut. Nuts. Now you can buy um, what we call cob nuts, which are larger. They're more cultivated varieties of a hazelnut. Um, so they're available in your local garden centres. So you can get cultivated varieties of hazelnuts uh, that produce bigger nuts, cob nuts, very large nuts, very similar to what you buy, buy in the, shop. in the shops, yeah. those kind of larger nuts. But remember that in Ireland you can also grow uh, walnuts. Excellent. One of the best trees from, from the years I spent in the Botanic Gardens was at the back of, of um, one of the greenhouses. And, and again, at this time of year, we'd be looking for the walnuts on the tree, the walnuts falling. So walnuts and, and walnut, it's a, a tree called Juglans and it makes a beautiful tree. Now, it's a large tree, but they produce fruit pretty reliably every year. So they'd be worth growing. Um, you've also got sweet chestnut, Castanea, which is a beautiful ornamental tree so the tree itself is well worth growing never mind the fruit and it produces the like a like a chestnut they're a kind of are prickly. they like the chestnuts roasting on the christmas fire yeah. or open fire type yeah. things so they're sweet chestnuts but they're again the the outer edge is is prickly but inside you've got a dark brownish and um, nut which is really nice as well so hazelnuts will grow brilliantly in ireland very easy to grow the native hazel if you want cob nuts if you want larger nuts and um, you've also got as i mentioned you've got the the walnuts and then of course you've got the sweet, sweet chestnut. chestnut as well they'd be the main the main nut trees that we actually okay. grow in ireland we're yeah. not going to grow brazil nuts or anything like no, that here we're yeah. not okay <laughs> Unfortunately, unfortunately, you still have to purchase those. Okay, uh, it's just not not orchard is a is a is very open ended question. So we're just wondering what people had in their minds. But anyway, lovely ideas there, and yeah, um, walnuts well, definitely. And, and most of those trees are very pretty as well. So they're they, really really pretty. And yeah. do do uh, hazelnuts and walnuts? They all need pollinating. Is that like? Do, well, is um, it similar? Is it a similar thing to yeah. the way apples and fruits yeah. work? Yeah. So what you generally find on on hazelnuts again in springtime, you'll find the pollen. The pollen tends to be at the top. The male flowers on the top of the hazelnut tree, and the female flowers are underneath that. So the pollen with with uh, hazel is generally wind dispersed. So the wind. Uh, scatters the flowers or the shakes the flowers and the pollen then finds its way down onto the um, the female flowers but you're always better to have a, with all fruiting trees to have as many uh, as you can so that you it's get cross-pollination as much as possible. But if you want the big nuts, go for the cob nuts and um, go for the cultivate varieties of hazelnuts. Brilliant. Um, now we have a really interesting photograph in um, uh, from Paula. Good morning, Paula, Shreon. Um, and help, my teens have experimented with avocado seeds and now we're not sure what to do from here. Should we put them in a pot or of soil? So they're in a b- bottle, really, that they've been growing in and the roots have gone down into it and there's a second photo photograph which is a really interesting one and it is a big plant it it sure is it's done really really well so they've they've obviously taken the so the seed of avocado when you purchase an avocado and you cut it uh, cut it in half the seed is contained right in the centre and the seed has a very, very similar shape to the avocado fruit it's got that kind of pointed top and bulbous kind of, um, I won't say flat bottom but it's, it's more bulbous at the base of the plant so that'll tell you how to put the seed in compost or as the listener has done here simply sitting on the top of a bottle full of water and once the seed the base of the seed gets in contact with water or moisture or compost it starts to initiate roots and starts to produce a new shoot and that's exactly what we're looking at here the bottle is half full of roots and there must be at least two foot of growth on the top of the avocado plant but it's now time to pot it up into 
uh, some compost because in the water it'll start to um, there won't be enough nutrition there to keep it going. It's it's li- literally living off the energy that's in the seed at the moment. Right. An avocado seed it's quite a big seed. It's a big yeah, and I mean, uh, that looks like, I mean... It's at least 18 inches, two feet, isn't it? It's tall, yeah. yeah. Now, so so my advice really, now, avocados like a slightly acid soil, so the best compost to get would be an ericaceous compost that we use for rhododendrons and um, azaleas. You'll buy that in your local garden centre, ericaceous compost. Mix some perlite through that because they like a free-draining soil as well. And for this one, you'd want a pot that's about six inches in diameter and six inches high at least, or maybe eight inches high, so a fairly medium-sized pot. Um, mix up the ericaceous compost with the perlite and literally pot it up, burying the seed about an inch into the soil or into the compost. Mm. Avocados need to be kept indoors because they'll be frost-sensitive. Good to know, yeah. And they'll be damaged over the winter period. So keep it in a kind of a, somewhere like a conservatory or a bright patio window or maybe on a windowsill for the winter period. You can put it out of doors once we get into May of next year. It'll be perfectly fine until September and then bring it back in again. The other thing I would do is prune back the top of it just to get it to bush out a little bit otherwise it's going to be very tall and leggy and that can be done at this time of year so remove about maybe three or four inches off the top of the avocado plant and um, now you can you can, don't have to sow them like this in bottles you can actually sow them in compost as well you? oh yeah yeah right. yeah they'll germinate so you literally just take take the avocado seed make sure the pointed piece is pointing up, up and s- simply put it into a pot have the compost moist but not too wet put it into a polythene bag and sit it on a windowsill it'll germinate within a couple of weeks and you just grow it on as normal so you can germinate them in water or in compost what kind of fruit would you expect from that or will you get fruit of it uh, it's it's doubtful. Doubtful. It's very doubtful. Okay. Unless you had a cons- large conservatory or large greenhouse, and they're they're um, it's it's mainly grown as a decorative as a decorative plant. plant. Okay, yeah. but what a fantastic experiment! Oh, it's a great experiment. Yeah. And great, pa- great to see it. Paula, and obviously started another one. <laughs> I Paula, I think uh, you're the same Paula that I met many years ago. So I hope you're all keeping very well, and I'll never forget all your kindness. Um, right, moving on. Uh, I planted rhubarb from seeds, okay. and all went to seed. Should I leave it there and put organic manure on it now, or remove it? Well, so I planted rhubarb from seeds, and all went to seed. Okay, so obviously the plants have, got, have produced seeds. So mm. when you see rhubarb, and generally rhubarb produces its seed in, in um, its flower spike in early spring, April, sort of early May. Um, when it's producing it, and lots of them did this year, it tends to be a, an indication the plants might be under a little bit of, of stress. So you always remove the flowering shoots from rhubarb because it essentially takes the energy away from the rhubarb plants. So remove any seed heads from it. And again, it's dying back at this time of year. So get yourself some organic matter, some farm manure, mushroom compost and literally put a good dollop of that on top of the rhubarb and leave it alone for the winter. But if you see the spikes, the flower spikes emerging next spring, rem- cut them out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mm. My blackcurrant shrub has been destroyed with holes in the leaves every year. I changed the compost, thought it would help, but it's still very bad. Thanks, Helen. Says Helen. So, and it sounds as if they change the compost, it must be in a pot. Um, it must be in a pot or container or whatever. Mm. Look, at the thing with blackcurrants is they're such an easy plant to grow and a little bit of leaf damage is, is never um, too damaging. Uh, it's not going to set the plant back. Now, blackcurrants will often be attacked by aphids and they leave a kind of a bubbling, a blistered effect on the top of the leaves or they're also attacked by um, caterpillars or sawfly, which leads small little holes in the leaves as well. You can get an organic treatment in the springtime. So look at the blackcurrants is going to be going to going 
to go out of leaf now in the next couple of weeks. Mm. So leave it alone for this year. Next spring, get one of the organic um, treatments like bug clear and that will keep it controlled. But a little bit of damage on, on blackcurrants is not, um, it's not going to set the plant back. If anything, it's going to keep it controlled and keep it, you know, from being too vigorous. Right. Uh, so, you know, yep. I, I do nothing with it now. Uh, treat it next spring if you see any any holes coming back into it. All right, a couple of moss questions in, Porek. People are wondering, <clears throat> particularly about tarmac, I suppose moss is creeping back in again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody was wondering about, can we use the zero on tarmac? No. And somebody else wondering about just generally what to so put the on zero, it. So the zero is to be used uh, just on your lawn. So trim your lawn, like I said, give it an application of zero. I generally treat my lawns now in October, again at Christmas and again in February and you have no raking to do with the zero. Um, so use that now. For, for moss on paths and driveways and tarmac areas use the pack. So it's a liquid pack is a liquid, you mix it in water apply it on a dry day and it'll have control of the moss within 7 or 8 days and the moss literally just withers and um, dies away. Now we have a stunning photograph oh, in lovely. here of dahlias right? and a lovely message to go with it. So mm. a, a novice gardener is how this person signs themselves. My wonderful dahlias which I grew from seed they have brought so much joy butterflies and bees to the garden. Yeah. What will I do when they stop flowering? Can I leave them in pots some uh, way as I read somewhere that they won't have rhizomes yet. I'm taking some seed heads as I'm addicted to planting seeds. Brilliant. Love the show. Okay, so look at a fantastic look at that. show, stunning show of colour. And look at that's October and they're going to go on for at least another three to four weeks until we get really severe frost. They're going to... Now, the listener picked the right type of dahlia. So right. seed dahlias produce single flowers. So you can see all the pollen. Mm. See all the pollen oh, in the right, centre the, big of the, yellow, flower, the yes. big yellow blodge. So hence that's, all your bees. Hence all your bees. If you had the big blousy dahlias, the big double dahlias, they're the more, bees wouldn't appear. They're more about show. Yeah. So these are fantastic. They flower from kind of late June right through until November. Now, believe it or not, they will have produced a rhizome. They will have produced tubers. So um, uh, leave them to flower for at least another couple of weeks. Wait for the first night of frost. Once they die back, cut them back then to soil level. If they're in pots, you've got the option of tucking them away maybe into a greenhouse or a tunnel or a garage for the winter period. Um, ideally, I'd take them out of the pots because, like I said before, you can store the tubers a lot easier. And then as we come into spring, you can split the tubers into a couple of uh, new plants and start them off again. Don't put them, be tempted to put them out of doors until the first week of May, until all frost has passed. And you can certainly collect the seed I think Monty Don, I saw a little clip, I didn't see the programme, but I think mm-hmm. Monty Don was going round his garden last night Get collecting me. seed. And it's a great thing to do at this time of year. <clears throat> you simply just take the old seed heads, put them into a brown paper bag, an old envelope, and literally put them into your garage for a couple of weeks. And the seeds will naturally drop from the flower down into the bottom of the envelope. And you can keep that seed, in this instant, dahlia seed, until February, March of next year and sow that seed again. And you get a whole range of lovely colours again next season. So the listener can do two things. I would allow them to stay in flower for another three to four weeks, wait for the frost to cut them back, then store the tubers through the winter period, divide them in the spring and take some seed as well. Okay. But dahlias are terrific and they're a great little filler. Look at the width of them. Oh, I they think must be yeah. a metre wide. I, I'm kind of new to dahlias this year, but I think they're lovovely. They're right? terrific. Yeah, terrific. I, I'm a real Particularly fan. those single varieties. Yeah, real fan. Now, Porik, a photograph in. Uh, somebody wondering, can slips be taken from this plant or shrub now? Uh, oh, no, sorry, that's the wrong one. Do we know the name of uh, this plant? Oh, we sure uh, do. And yes, and actually, can slips be taken from this plant or shrub now? Beautiful colour at present, thank you. It is. So this is a lovely plant called Russ. Typhinia. 
It comes to us from Canada, of all places, and um, it produced this beautiful... It's all often called the stag's horn uh, plant as well because um, the leaves, the actual... The top branches are mm-hmm. velvet, like Ooh. an antler, like like a like a, a deer <laughs> antler. It's got that kind of velvety touch to the, to the young growth on the on the stems. So it produces beautiful um, autumn colour at this time of year, and kind of a red flower spike as well. So rust typhini or shumac. Schumach is a common name for it. Um, very easy plant to grow, beautiful autumn colour. The best way to propagate it is from suckers. So it tends to produce little suckers at the base. So if you check around the base of the tree, you'll probably see little uh, foot high little suckers and you simply just dig those up and transplant it. But a really easy plant and lovely autumn colour. It's a lovely little thing. Lovely. Because reds and yellows and orange colours. Schumach. Rust Typhinia. Rust Typhinia. Yeah. Now we've got some angels' wings in pots. They're getting Great. eaten by something and the Super. leaves are curling up. What do we do? There you go. Say a prayer for the angels' wings. Well, I actually pruned mine back uh, three weeks ago. Okay. And I, and I was looking at it yesterday and it has produced probably an inch or two inches of new growth. Has already. it? Already. Already. So there you so go. How, uh, so I never pruned <laughs> my ones last year. How far back do you prune it? I Put them to the bush. Did you? Right down to within half an inch of soil level. Right down to nothing. To nothing. And within, that's the beauty of that plant. It just regenerates itself again. Now remember, I mean, the last three weeks have been relatively good and, and growth. So the, the growth that's on it at the moment, it's lovely and silvery. It's quite small. It's literally about an inch high. And it'll probably stay like, it will stay like that now for the rest of the winter. Yeah. But come the spring, it's going to be a whole show sure. of new colour. So if you've got angel wings in your garden, this is a plant called Senecia. Angel's wings. It's got that big velvety leaf, and as we said before, silver leaf plants tend to get a bit tatty yeah. as they get older, and they do respond to pruning back really well. Now, if you go and cut it severely now, you're not going to get any new growth until next spring, so it's going to remain cut and damaged. Right. So you could just kind of you Leave could do it. two things. You can either cut it to the butt like I did. It's not going to produce any new growth till we get into March of next year. Or you could just tidy it back and you'll have some little bit of silver for the winter so you know where it is. Mm. And then prune it hard back in March before the growth starts. Literally do what I did, go right down really severely with it in March, give it a feed and within a month it'll be back up rejuvenated again. So it's one of those plants that... Uh, it, you know, it will always get a bit tatty, particularly over the winter. Mine has winter. become tatty, all yeah, right. as it gets yeah, bigger. Yeah. But the great thing is, it responds to heavy pruning. Brilliant. So the leaves getting eaten by something, though. Uh, yeah, but you're looking. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so what? They need. They need. It just needs a tidying up it there. It does. Yeah. yeah. If you trim it back, all the new growth is going to come on it again. So caterpillars and slugs will uh, attack the leaves. But the great thing about the angel's wings is that if you prune it, it just rejuvenates itself again. Great. Now we have a couple of pho- a photograph here of something that looks sad. And what can we do? So These are hydrangeas and they look yeah. perfectly fine to me, to be quite honest. I mean, they're still flowering. There's two quite close together. It's hard to see are they in pots or in the ground, but they're perfectly fine. I mean, they're they're still flowering. There's nothing really to I think do. they're in pots. Yeah, it looks like they're in pots. I would plant them into the garden soil if you can. Hydrangeas are hungry feeders. See, these are the old mop head hydrangeas. Uh, there's probably half the stems are producing flower. There's two different colours in them. So maybe plant them out into the garden soil somewhere, put in some organic matter with them. And as we come into March of next year, just prune back the flowering shoots and they'll be perfectly fine. They're actually too 
healthy plants. They, yeah, they yeah, look yeah, like, yeah. For, Nothing for, sad about them whatsoever. No, loads of colour yeah, on yeah. them. Loads of colour on them. Now, this plant, however, not doing <laughs> quite as well. Uh, so this oh, is this a vi- is viburnum. I have a viburnum, uh, which was planted last May or so, but it doesn't seem to have grown much. It did spend a good while in a pot, so not sure if that has affected it or if there's something I can do to help it. Okay. Okay, so this is viburnum chinus. I'd say that's your angel wings in the background. I was going to say, oh, mine look a that's bit like that. Is. Yeah, that's what it is <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the background. So look at this is a, a plant called Viburnum tinus. We were talking about this shrub last, last year. And week, I was yeah. saying how easy it is to grow, and it makes a wonderful hedging plant. But it's planted in grass, and it's surrounded by clover. See the clover all around yeah. the base, so it's actually been choked by clover and grass. And of course, it's not going to do well. And where you've got clover growing in the soil, clover is an indication that your soil is lacking in nitrogen. So clover is one of these plants that's a nitrogen fixator. It actually won't live, clover won't live in, if you feed, if the ground is very fertile and high in nitrogen, clover tends to die out. So farmers will often introduce clover into a into a, a meadow mm. to help to fertilise the soil and fertilise the grass. So it's a nitrogen fixator. Um, so what it's telling me, first of all, is that the soil is actually low in nutrition. It's also the plant has been choked by grass and so on. So you need to move it. I would dig it back up again, get a new location for it, add a bit of compost or a bit of organic matter into the soil, keep it weed free, keep the weeds away from the base of it and you'll have a super plant in a year or 18 months time. It's a super easy plant to grow Viburnum tinus. It's showing a lot of yellowing in the leaf, but the plant is perfectly healthy. It's so just hungry. It's, it's just hungry. It's starved. Okay, feed it up there. <laughs> uh, now, uh, we ha- are wondering about subdividing flocks, summer flowering daisies, Michaelmas daisies. Do I cut them back before digging them yeah. up? Also, should feed be added when planting violas, wallflowers, bulbs, etc.? <clears throat> um, somebody loves the programme and they have a full folder of notes from years back. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> they've, they've written the book for me. They have. There you go. So, so look, it's a great idea. It's a great idea to, to propagate new plants at this time of year. So things like hostas, hostas, flocks, summer flowering daisies as the listener, the Michaelmas daisies. Now they're still in flower, so I would leave them until they finish flower. But all of those herbaceous plants uh, respond extremely well to division and all you do is you simply cut them to ground level, you get your spade out you dig them up, you take your spade and you split them or an axe and split them into pieces so from one clump you might make 8 or 10 new plants and you simply plant those out into the garden area, maybe to put 2 or 3 of the smaller clumps down together to form a strong cluster but it's a great time of year for dividing herbaceous flowering plants, particularly those that have gone out of flower. So flocks would be perfect, hostas would be ideal, and leave the Michelinastasia until maybe you know, the end of October, whenever it finishes flowering, and then trim it back and plant it. Great. Now, if bulbs are already in a container from last year, is it necessary to change the composter's soil? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, it depends on the size of the pot. Um, so it, very large pots, what I normally do is just remove about a foot of the old compost, leave the the, the remaining compost in situ and add a slow release fertilizer to the compost when I'm back filling them back up. So big pots you can certainly leave the kind of bottom level of compost but remove at least eight to maybe twelve inches of the old compost. If the pots are small, then do replenish the compost because all the nutrition has gone out of it. When you buy a bag of compost on your local garden centre, it tends to have a six week fertilizer built into it. So it only lasts for six weeks, as it were. Ah, right. So that's why I, I would always advocate using some of the slow-release feed because yeah. that feeds for up to six months. But, you know, pots and containers after a year, they need 
replenishing of, of new of new news. compost, new nutrition, yeah. Now, how do you go about storing carrots, please? Well, it's very easy. They don't have to be stored just yet. Carrots will remain in the soil until the third or fourth week of November. Uh, so you can take your time in lifting them. You can store them out of doors simply by lifting them, taking off the greens, just taking the root and putting it into a, a clamp of soil or sand um, and just leave them literally covered with soil, kind of in a little pit and, and literally just put the carrots in layers, put maybe a bit of straw over the top of them and then just cover them with soil or sand. Or indeed you could take them inside and again keep them in sand in a dark, maybe a garage or a cellar type area. Uh, somewhere cool, dark, moist is really what carrots need over the the, win- the okay. autumn winter period. Okay, uh, so we have a tree here, Porrick, and okay. lovely bit of autumn colour on it. Looks it looks like liquid amber. Yeah, it's it? quite. Yeah. It's, it's maple. It's hard yeah. to see from. It's a little bit difficult to identify it. Uh, Going closer there and just see. Bernadette, we... she's yeah. wondering, can she cut the top of the tree now? Oh well, if that's yeah. the only way. Qu- yeah, yeah, so no problem whatsoever, Bernadette. You can prune it back. It's still showing a nice bit of colour. So wait for another couple of weeks. Wait till it goes completely bare, and then simply prune back and prune back some of the side shoots as well. They're getting a bit leg. But in terms of pruning, coming into November is a great time to be pruning back trees. Okay, great. Now, uh, what is the best tree to set in a small town back garden uh, to block out neighbours' windows <laughs> without blocking out too much light? Um, I'm overlooked, but only by bedroom windows. So I guess, yeah, next door. I guess, okay, so yeah. a, a great question. And, and it's a question we often get about yeah. how do you, and how do you create privacy? Yeah. And everyone's trying to, I suppose, ha- have their own little space okay, uh, so in their back garden. Something yeah. I can suggest would be to look at, at you can Google this and have a look at it, but there's a, a, a there's a, a way of growing trees called pleached trees. Pleached. Pleached. P-L-E-A-C-H-E-D. Okay. Pleached trees. Yeah. So this is a way of training. It's a French method of training trees to have a nice clean stem, like a lollipop, clean stem, and then a kind of a fan, no, rather than a round head, right. it has actually got a flat head. So the trees are trained to be um, very slim in terms of the width of the tree, but broad in terms of... So it's like having a mini hedge on stilts, if that makes sense. Yes. So the, the pleach tree would normally have a clean stem of maybe six feet, and then it would broaden out to maybe a metre or two metres wide by metre or maybe two metres high, depending on how, how it's shaped, uh, but but still be very slim. So it's trimmed, it's spe- specifically trained to look like a hedge on stilts. So it's ideal for obscuring bedroom windows. So if you've got a neighbour or somebody overlooking you, a pleach tree is what to go- look for. So the pleach tree is a method of training the tree. Yeah. And then you can get a whole range of different trees that are trained as, as pleach trees. trees. Some that are evergreen. So Iliagnus abengii is often trained that way. So because it's evergreen, it's hardy, it's got silver leaves and it'll block off a bedroom window. And the fact that it's just got the single stem, it takes up minimal space in your garden. So it's only the, the, the size of the stem, stem in right. your garden. But the pleached part of the tree so is, is up high. It fans it's, out up high. Exactly. And it's, so it's, it's like a mini hedge on stilts is the best way I can describe That's fantastic. it. So Google it. Call, call pleach. Any, and pop into your local garden centre. They may not have one in stock, but they'll get one for you. Or they'll be able, to vi- sh- be able to show you what it looks like. And you can get evergreen. So we often have things like bay trees mm. trained as, as in a pleach tree. Um, things like um, Carpinus betulus, which is hornbeam. That's a deciduous tree, but that can be shaped that way as well. So there's a whole range of trees that you can get. It would be the perfect solution for this listener okay. because it would take up minimal space. It would literally give her a small little... Uh, blast of evergreen Ever. foliage yeah. three, four metres high 
blocking that bedroom window. That would be the best solution I can think of. Now, there are plenty of other trees you can plant, um, but that, to me, a pleach tree would actually work in this instance. Okay, fantastic. Uh, Somebody's wondering, how do I prune lavender? It's two years old. Well, you just prune it back. Um, don't What I would do with lavender at this time of year is not to cut it too severely. And we're going back now to thinking about silver leaf shrubs, right? A bit like our angel's wing. So tidy it up a little bit for the winter and then prune it hard next March, early April. If you prune lavender severely at this time of year, sometimes the cold weather can further damage them. So just tidy them up. Take off maybe six to eight inches, kind of tidy back the plant. Wait for it then to produce new growth in mid-March around St. Patrick's weekend and prune back to that new growth. You can prune them back certainly to within six inches of ground level next spring. Um, The key thing with lavender is it needs a free draining soil. It's not the cold that kills them, it's the wetness that kills them in the west of Ireland. Brilliant. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So we we just have time for one or two more, but this is a a good one, Porik. We've got a photograph in from Susan. It's a house plant. I'd like to know if it's possible to cut this right back as it has gone a bit wild, she says. A bit more than that, Susan. Yeah, so this is a plant called yucca. It's an indoor yucca. It, it must be eight or ten years old and it has forked. So you've got a kind of central stem and two side branches and all the leaves at the top. At the top. So yeah. this is atypical of what yuccas will actually do. So Susan can certainly prune it back. I would leave the pruning again until next spring because there's going to be no growth now between now and spring. So leave it as is. Next spring, you can actually cut it back just above where it forks. Yeah. So you see the main stem. So roughly about maybe a foot on on either stem, cut it back to that level there. It'll produce new growth and then that new growth will start off again. So it can be certainly pruned back, leave it till till mid-March, around St. Patrick's weekend and and trim it back And turn it back. Yeah, it's a great specimen though. Brilliant, it is. Uh, Can we collect the seeds from sunflowers for next year? Absolutely. No, the, the birds enjoy them as well remember that share, you, can, share you can leave them for the birds but look at the sunflowers produce hundreds and hundreds of flowers so maybe take take a couple of dozen um, of them so all you do is you literally just cut the head cut the, the flower head put it into an envelope and the seeds will naturally drop out into the envelope once they've once they're mature okay and We'll, what is eating this chard, please? So this is Swiss chard. Ah, you could have see. slugs and snails yeah. eating it. Bit you could have there. a bit of capsicum. It's not too bug. bad, though. No, it's not. It's in. It's actually in, in very good nick. And Swiss chard is a lovely vegetable through the winter period. You can eat, eat both the stems and the foliage of the plant. And the more cutting back it gets, the better Swiss chard is. Okay, brilliant. And I have grown... Okay, we're going in there. I've grown f- these from seed. Can I take the cuttings? And when these, when will the originals die away? I have them moved into a polytunnel. Well, it's a super time to take cuttings from them now. So simply just take six inch cuttings. They are frost sensitive. So what, are, what have we got it's here? An impatien. Okay. Sympatian, it's in the, the Busy Lizzie family. Um, so take cuttings maybe six inches long, put them into rooting powder, into a mixture of perlite and compost and put them in a, a frost-free location for the winter and they'll, they'll root within a six or eight week period. Okay, brilliant. And uh, we'll end on this one, just a piece of general information. Is the clothes shop open in Horkham? Yeah, we have the uh, the Edinburgh Woolmills is open and yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. Everything is, everything everything is, is back. Everything is back to normal. Yeah, we didn't have to wait for October 22nd. Okay. So just a reminder, just the metal next Saturday. Fantastic. Um, young people calling. Young people. So kind of primary school kids with their parents. I'm looking for them to come to the leisure centre at Loch Lana uh, next Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. I'm going to give them 
a little talk on biodiversity and also the planting of bulbs and show them how to plant the bulbs. And I'll be there all morning um, getting involved. So we're looking for primary school kids. Okay. We've got 2,100 bulbs to plant. So I need your help. Brilliant project. Brilliant project. Looking forward to it. That's uh, next, Saturday. next Saturday. We're back on air, though, next Saturday as well. Uh, before all of that, uh, so we'll talk to you then. Stand by Michael Neary coming your way next after the news at 10. Have yourselves a great weekend.